Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message. This morning we're going to continue, of course, our pursuit series, going after who God has called us to be both as a church and as individuals. We want to talk about what it means to pursue God in a lot of areas, but the first three that we're talking about are being in pursuit of God's people, his promise, and his power. And so this month, we're looking at what it means to be in pursuit of God's people. And we said this just as in ways of an introduction that when we talk about people, we're talking about all people. For God so loved the world that he gave Jesus. The world means everybody. So when we are in pursuit of people, we're talking about his people. We're talking about all people. We're talking about the people that we interact with on an everyday basis. And the reason why we do this is very simple. It's because God is in pursuit of people. God is the one who is first and foremost in pursuit of people. We looked at the life of David, how he said in Psalm 139, where can I go from your presence? If I go to the greatest heights, you're there. If I go to the deepest depths, you are there. Even in the midst of the most difficult situations of David's life, he knew that he could turn to his father in heaven. He knew God was in pursuit of him. This is a truth that we have to remember because so often the situations of life are designed to take our attention off of him and to put it on the circumstances. But when we remember that God is in pursuit of us, we realize that no matter what we're going through, he is right there. When we look back to the very beginning with Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve, they eat the fruit from the tree. They go, they hide themselves, they cover themselves over. And it says in verse 9 that God calls out to man and he says, where are you? Where are you? Not because he doesn't know where Adam is. It's because he is in pursuit of Adam. He's in pursuit of Eve. He knows that there has been disconnection, but he is still looking for them. He is still seeking them. He is still going after them. And so we said this, and this is really important, that the world around us, so often we look at the world around us as being lost. But I want to say today that the world who doesn't know Jesus, they're not lost so much as they are hiding. They are doing what Adam and Eve did. They, they recognized their shortcomings and their failures, and they hid themselves away. But the great news is here today is that although the world might be hiding, God is seeking. Although the world might be in a place where they don't see him, know him, or recognize him, they may not be in pursuit of him. He is in pursuit of them. And he's calling us as his people to be the ones that go out and to bring the message, to bring the truth, to bring the light that they desperately need. You see, God is in pursuit of people, and so we need to be in pursuit of people. And something that we touched on last week more in second service, and I didn't really get to it here in first service, so I want to make sure that I I cover this again, is that that light that we are bringing to people The hope that we're bringing to people, I think, can really easily be summed up in this one word. Freedom. What we are bringing to people is freedom. 
You see, what the world is looking for is a freedom to do all the things that they want to do to make them happy, to make them feel good. So they're looking for a freedom to do or a freedom for the things that they want to be able to to walk in. But what we as the church, what we as the body of Christ are actually offering them is a freedom from the hurt. A freedom from their past. A freedom from the shame. A freedom from the brokenness. What we are offering through the person of Jesus is a freedom from all of the things that would cause them to go after and in search of the things that would ease the pain. But first, we as the church need to walk in that freedom ourselves. We as the church first need to know what it is to walk in the freedom from the old ways from the pain and really what i'm talking about here is is not behavior modification what i'm talking about is the broken identities that we all tend to walk around with the lies that we continue to believe because of our past because of the things that were done to us what jesus offers us is a freedom from those things so that we can have a freedom to walk into the new creation the newness of life into the identity that he has for us so in our pursuit of people we need to first understand what we carry and what is available for us it's a freedom from the past a freedom to walk into the wholeness that jesus has paid for for each one of us So just as we did last week, we're going to look this week at what it means to walk in pursuit of people both as a church and as individuals. So last week as a church, we said that our first priority and our level one uh, pursuit as a church is that we need to be loving the people of our church really well. We said that if we want to be known as Jesus' disciples What did he say? He said, you will be known as my disciples if you love one another. And so what we want to do first as the body of Christ is we want to establish what it means to love really well. To build each other up really well. To be the biggest cheerleader, to be the biggest friend, to be the biggest support system for the people sitting around you right now here this morning. We want to love people really well, and we want to start right here at home. And the reason for this is twofold. Number one, Jesus told us to do it. That should be enough. But number two, we want to prepare for when the people of our community walk in these doors that we've already practiced what it means to love really well. We want to set the tone. We want to create the environment so that when individuals walk into this church, whether or not they have ever even experienced the love of God, that they feel loved by each one of us. It starts here and it starts with us. Because I do truly believe this. I believe that we are going to see many men and women come into these doors. That we are going to see growth, but in the ways that really matter where we are carrying the love of Jesus to people that desperately need it. That's the kind of growth that we're after as a church, amen? Amen. So today, we're going to go to level two. So level one was love really well here, but number two is the next step, which is that we are going to love the people of our community really well. 
that we are going to love the people that we see at work every day really well that we are going to love the people that we interact with on a regular basis really well because once again we want to show the love of jesus we want to be obedient to what he's called us to do and we want to be his reflection here on the earth now i want to talk a little bit about the why for this for a moment we've already established that jesus instructed us to do this once again mark 12 verses 30 and 31 and you shall love the lord your god with all your heart with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength this is the first commandment and the second like it is this you shall love your neighbor as yourself there is no commandment greater than these This is what Jesus established as the most important commandments. Love God with everything you are and love your neighbor as yourself. This is what we're called to do. But in my looking at this and and thinking about this on a deeper level, I truly believe that we have to have a bigger why than just because Jesus told us to do it. it. It is the most important. There's no question about it. That should be enough. But if we're honest... Sometimes in our lives, we need a little bit more. You don't have to say amen to that. I know we don't want to admit to that. But sometimes our our why needs to be much deeper than just because we were told to do it. Because if it's just because we were told to do it, then sometimes what it becomes is just another box that we check. I went to church today, check. I read my Bible today, check. I was really nice to someone check we know that loving people is is more than just being nice to them right okay it's not just another box that we check there is so much more to it because we have to understand that the truth and the reason why we love people is because we love jesus the reason why we love people really well really can be summed up in these few words we love people because we really love jesus that is the driving force that is the reason why we pursue god we know that it says in first john four nineteen that he loved us and it's the reason why we love him is because he first loved us it all comes out of the love that he has for us matthew 25 verse 40 says this And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did to the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. This is why we love people. It's because we love Jesus. You see, if we're trying to love people really well because we're supposed to, then the problem is is that it will only go so far. We will love them right up until the moment where they do something or say something that we don't agree with. If we're doing it because we're supposed to do it, we will love them right up until the moment that they post something on Facebook that we don't like. We will love them right up to the moment where we see them in church and and they're too busy and, and they go and talk to somebody else instead of us and we feel slighted. We can't love because it's an obligation. We can't love because it makes us feel good about ourselves. We can't love because we think that we're just checking another box. We love because we love Jesus. 
because we know what he has done for us. We, we pursue him because we know that he has first pursued us. And the way that he calls us to love him well is by loving people. In as much as you did to the least of these, you did it to me. I want to read a story here today that I think really does a good job of illustrating what we're talking about. And it's found in Luke chapter 7, verses 36 to 47. It says, Then one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. We see this picture of a broken woman coming before Jesus and pouring herself out in front of him. It's a beautiful picture. It's a beautiful picture of her love being poured out for him. But then we see the response from the Pharisee in verse 39. It says, Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is that is touching him. For she is a sinner. Just look at these words for a moment. The, the Pharisee thought to himself, if he were a prophet, he would know that she is a sinner. You see, this statement right here, whether it was an internal thought or something that he just uttered quietly, is the epitome of a religious mindset. It's the epitome of if he knew who she was, he wouldn't let her come near him. If he knew her sin, he wouldn't let, if he had any ability to perceive. And, and what we see here is what happens when we don't have a true, clear picture of who God is. This is what happens when we don't understand the love that God has for each one of us. This is what happens when we look through the lens of our own understanding. Through the lens of the Pharisee, he simply saw a sinner, but through the eyes of Jesus, through the lens of Jesus, he saw a daughter. Through the eyes of man, through the conditional way of looking at mankind, all he could see was her outward appearance. All he could see was her history. All he could see was her shortcomings. But when Jesus looked at her, he saw her as a beautiful creation. You see, he goes on to say in verse 40, it says, And Jesus answered him. Now, I really am curious here whether he said this to himself in his mind, because this would have been pretty startling. But Jesus answered him and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, Teacher, say it. So Jesus says, There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, and the other owed 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which one of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, You have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. 
You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she is loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Simon knew what it was to honor Jesus with his mouth. He invited him in. He called him teacher. But Mary knew what it was to honor him with everything she had. You see, Simon thought he had only been forgiven very little. And so he sat here with the viewpoint of, well, I don't really have to do that much. The woman, she knew her shortcomings. She knew her past. She knew her shame. She knew all of these things. And so when she, when she came before Jesus, Jesus, she gave everything. But the point that I want to make here today amongst a few of them is that we have to understand that every single one of us is one that has been forgiven much. That every single one of us has been forgiven more than we could ever repay, more than we ever could have done anything to even put a dent in. We have to understand what Jesus has done for us. And when we go into the world and we don't understand this, it becomes very easy to treat people just like other people that we don't really have any responsibility over. When we don't recognize what Jesus has done for us, whether we've been a Christian for a day or we've been a Christian for 50 years or more, we have to understand that what Jesus did for us is greater than we could ever, ever imagine. And that out of response to what he has done, out of our love for him because of what the, what the price that he paid was being so huge that we then have the opportunity and the privilege and the responsibility to love others. We can never repay the debt. But if Jesus said that as much as you did to the least of these, you've done to me, well, then that's a really good place for us to start. Jesus, I love you with everything in me. And because of that, I'm going to love you with all my heart. And I'm going to love the people that you put in my path. And I'm going to love them really well. Because I understand I've been forgiven much. You see, any person that we reach out to in the community, from the workplace to the prison, and everywhere in between, is as deserving as any one of us of the grace and forgiveness of God. You might say, well, that's none of us are deserving, or because He loves us. All of us are deserving. Whichever one it is, it's fine. But whoever we interact with, we have to know how much Jesus loves them. And I would say this, that in our own abilities, none of us have been deserving. But when we think about ourselves through the lens of how much God loves us, when we recognize that for God so loved the world that he gave everything, I would have to actually say this, through the eyes of Jesus, I am deserving. Through the eyes of Jesus, you are deserving of it. Through the eyes, through the lens, through the love of Jesus, through the sacrifice of Jesus, you could never earn it. But through his grace, this is what grace is, that you do deserve it now through the blood of Jesus. 
This is an important shift for us to make in our minds because internally we don't ever want to feel deserving of it because we know who we are. But do we know how he sees us? This is not to give us a big head. This is not to give us the grace that we need to do whatever we want and just ask for forgiveness and think everything's going to be okay. But we do have to realize he loves me so much that he gave everything to give me the ability to walk in the newness of life. My perspective needs to change when I look at myself so that way when I look at others in the community, my perspective is different. I'm not the Pharisee looking at their sins and their shortcomings. I'm emulating Jesus who saw beyond. God said this to Samuel when he went to anoint David as king. He said, man looks at the outward appearance, but I see the heart. Can we pray to be those who would not look at the outward appearance and judge based off of external situations and be those who would look beyond to see sons and daughters of God, to see those who have been created in his image and in his likeness? See, this is not charity. This is not optional. This is pursuit of the king through our pursuit of people. So the question is, how do we do this, first of all, as a church and then as individuals? So let's start as a church. Last week, once again, level one, love the church really well. Level two, we need to love our community really well. And so there's a lot of ways that we do this, but I just want to highlight a few areas right now because one of the big ways we do this is through the ministries of the church. It's not the only way. We'll get to that in a moment, but it's one of the big ways because we as a church really do desire to impact our community. We have established or we're in the process of establishing a food pantry right now that we just got all the shelving for and the infrastructure and and that's going to be ready really soon to be able to serve our community. We have Seaforce, which ministers to the youth of our city, which is being launched again. We have a home repair ministry led by Skip Hoover and Jose Morales that do an amazing job of serving our church community and the community so very well. We have a community care outreach that Pastor Jeff leads. We have a youth and young adults program that are reaching out to the community. We have an overcomers outreach led by Ron and Nancy Key that reach out to those who are struggling with substance abuse and addiction. We have our partnership with Transformation Love Life Center, Love Inc., and CareNet. We are going after things, and, and we don't always do it perfectly. Let me just make sure that that's clear. We don't always do it perfectly, but our heart is to serve our community really well. And the reason I mention these things today is because we talked about our Connect class in the beginning. The reason why we have a Connect class is to understand who we are and what we're going after but also to connect our congregation to the areas of ministry that you feel led to. You have something on your life that somebody else needs. There is something that God has put inside of you. And I love when individuals come up to me and they say, you know what, Pastor Sam, you know what we need to do? We need to start this group. We need to start this ministry. We need to start this outreach. And I truly do love it because I think it's amazing. Because what I'm hearing is that you have a heart for a group of people And you want to see our church go after them. And my prayer is that at some point, step by step by step, we're going to be able to do all of those things. We want to be a church that empowers people. This is one of our core values. I believe it's number four 
Our core value is a culture of empowerment. Once again, something we talk about during Connect classes. We truly desire to create a culture where believers are being empowered in their giftings, both spiritually and practically. If you have something that God has placed on your heart, we want to hear about it. If there's an, if there's an area of need that you see, we want to know about it. But don't be surprised if I turn around and then ask you, what are you willing to do about it? No amens. Okay. You see, it's not just what we as a church do. We want to start there. We want to make sure all the ministries are in place. But it's what we as individuals are called to do as well. We know this, right? The church is not a building. It's the body of Christ. It's his children coming together, which means that if we want to impact the community, we need to be doing this together. We need to be doing this as a church. And if I missed any ministries, I apologize because we have so many amazing men and women who already are engaged in serving our community. But we want to be doing this as individuals as well. We want to be going out into our community and bringing the love of Jesus. So let's talk about what this means as individuals. We said, number one, as individuals, the way that we love really well and pursue people is we start with our families. We start with those who God has entrusted to us in our immediate families. But number two is that we love our friends and we love our coworkers really well. So number one, we love our families really well. And number two, we love our friends and our coworkers really well. And I'm just gauging the room right now to see if I see any smiles or any excitement about this whatsoever. Maybe the only people harder than loving our family is loving our coworkers and loving the people that we have to work with on a regular basis. And some of us, I'm sure, have amazing coworkers. But I've worked a few jobs along the line, and, and I remember some of them being the most challenging people that I've ever dealt with. And it's very easy to, to leave our Christian identity at the door when we clock in and to walk into our work identity which really should be the same thing but sometimes it's not sometimes it's not the same thing at all and we have to understand that these are the people that god has put in our lives for a reason even if it's just a season these are men and women that are around us that we have influence with, that we walk with and talk with every day. If you're a student right now, that might be the people in your high school. That might be the people on your sports teams. That might be the people that you interact with. Whoever it is, God has placed these people in your life for a reason. Are you going to love them really well? Like the really annoying person that you work with that you just can't stand. They're just like, they're always late. They're always making you do extra work. Can you love them really well? Can you show the love of Jesus even in those moments? I know I'm asking a lot here. But in as much as you've done to the most annoying of these, that's not biblical. I have to ask the question, who has God put in your path? I don't know about you, but there have been many times in my life where God has put someone in my path that was maybe felt like an inconvenience. Or maybe it was just somebody that I just started to see randomly in different places and God was setting up divine appointments. Has anyone else ever had that happen before? You see the same person like five or six times over the course of like two weeks and you're like, are you following me? Like what's going on here? 
What if God's putting that person in your path for a reason? What if we go beyond just believing in coincidence and, and we think, wait a second, what if God is orchestrating something here? What if there's somebody in my workplace that, that now I see on a regular basis that I didn't before? What, what about this person that has shown an interest in wanting to talk to me and I've kind of been like, I just want to do my own thing? Whatever your situation is, who are the people that God has put in your path? And is it more than coincidence? Is it God wanting to love somebody else through your life? Is it God wanting to position you to reach out to and to minister and love people? You see, I know sometimes when we go to work, like I said, we don't always necessarily want to talk about our Christian faith. Now, here's, here's I'll just say this real quick. If the people you work with would be really surprised to find out you're a Christian, then that's a problem. Let's just say that very clearly. If they found out that person's a Christian, they're like, wait a second. Th that would be an issue. But sometimes we go into to the secular arena and we're afraid to bring our Christian values with us. Because we don't want to offend people, because we don't want to push things down their throat. Meanwhile, there are many people who are not afraid to tell you exactly what they think, exactly what they believe, exactly what they vote for, exactly what they stand for, exactly the things that they hate, the things that they love, the things that they go... The, people are not afraid to share these things, but we as Christians, for some reason, feel like we got to keep this to ourselves. I don't want to offend somebody. Is anyone else really worried about offending people? I mean, maybe a little bit. Are we willing to show who we are? And, and not in a weird way. We can be normal about this. I'm glad that I got a few chuckles because now we don't have to go down that road. You know what I'm talking about. We should be those that people look up to and have a level of respect for and do see that something is different about us. Even if it's just that we really stink at our job, but we love people really well. Try not to stink at your job either. We need to be people that, that people recognize something different about us. That they recognize that we love people well and it's out of our love for Jesus. I love Jesus so much that I'm just going to love people really well. And I might just give you one more challenge today. Maybe you got to find the most unlovable person and start with them. Maybe just do it in doses, just a little bit at a time. Find the person that God is highlighting to you. We're going to talk about more about this next week. We're going to start to prepare to take communion here this morning, but when we were here at our prayer meeting on Thursday night, Val Andrews, one of our board members, brought this up. She said, you know, it's so important that we remember our testimony and that we talk about our testimony. And we had a testimony night here a couple weeks ago, and we'll continue to do that and, and want to do that. But the, the significance of why I want to bring this up here this morning is because if we go back and we remember our testimony, if we remember the lengths that God went to to come after us, if we remember the reason we came to Jesus because that person came and they spoke to us or because they loved on us, if we can remember these things, then we can realize that we can be that person for somebody else. Maybe you've been a Christian all your life. Maybe you've, you've always known Jesus. Maybe you've grown up in a Christian home. Guess what? 
God loved you enough to start you off from the very beginning with an amazing upbringing so that you can take that, you can take what God has put in your life to go love people. When it comes down to it, it's all of us. It requires all of us. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. The harvest is plentiful. There are people that need Jesus. Will we be the ones? Will we remember that we love him because he first loved us?